You may find this hard to believe, but 60 songs that explain the 90s, America's favorite poorly named music podcast is back with 30 more songs than 120 songs total. I am your host, Rob Harvilla, here to bring you more shrewd musical analysis, poignant nostalgic reveries, crude personal anecdotes, and rad special guests, all with even less restraint than usual. Join us once more on 60 Saws That Explain the 90s every Wednesday on Spotify. It's the Ringer Gambling Show, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back, and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus, and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler. Visit rg-help.com. Let's roll, baby. Welcome in. It is a Friday edition of East Coast Bias as we get you set for the weekend, the weekend before Memorial Day weekend, which is just very, very hard to believe. We have Raheem Palmer. We have Joe House. Yours truly, J.J. John Jastrzemski. And the Denver Nuggets boys up 2-0 on the Los Angeles Lakers. And I have to be honest, House, game two was the best case scenario for me. As you know, I have the Nuggets to win the series. I have the Nuggets minus one and a half games, but I was invested in the Lakers minus five or plus five and a half. Didn't feel like I deserved it when Denver's hitting the barrage of threes in the fourth quarter. But hey, the Lakers really wanted to cover that game for me. So I, I get a win-win scenario, dude. I don't get this often, House. I love it. As these things always tend to do, it came down to one single Jamal Murray free throw. They kept putting Jamal Murray on the free throw line. He knocked down a bunch of them. But as always, if he had just knocked down uh, the the one and, and and continued his streak, they covered by six. That would have been a big fat uh, loser for you. But I'm glad that you won. I got a push. I got him. I, I played the five uh, that that showed up later on in the day yesterday. But bigger picture wise, you know, we're we're uh, around the edges in terms of these game by game bets. Nuggets handled their business, and just like in that Phoenix series dream, they showed us they can win a couple different ways. They can win pretty and run, 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 run up and down the floor, and they can win ugly and grind one out in a game where their super-duper star, the true MVP of the season, (laughs) the Joker, um, didn't have his best uh, outcome, output, right? Right, Dream? Look, before, before we talk about the Never Nuggets, I'm angry. Because for game one and game two, I had the Denver Nuggets. And game one, I got a push because Jokic misses a free throw. And game two, I get a loss because not only does Jamal Murray miss a free throw, but the Lakers decide not to play for the win, to increase their win probability by taking threes. They decide to take a million quick twos in a row, which does nothing to help their win probability, but helps them to cover. So I'm angry. 
Now, when it comes to the Denver Nuggets, look, I've been saying it all year. They're a juggernaut at home. With between the regular season and the postseason, they are, are combined 42 and 7 straight up at home. And you know, they just dominate. They find ways to win. And Jamal Murray, he was playing poorly for most of the game on both sides of the ball, getting dominated on defense, couldn't hit a shot. But then when push came to shove in the fourth quarter, him and Michael Porter Jr. got it going. One thing I want to remind everybody, a lot of people are reacting as if this series is over. But this is not the same team on the road. They are just 21 and 25 on the road. So I think in game three, we're going to get a prom effort from the Los Angeles Lakers. And the road guys should play better. And guys like Anthony Davis should show up because he didn't show up last night. Well, the crazy thing about game two, Raheem, and to your point, Denver is just a juggernaut at home. They have yet to lose in this postseason at home. And their home record throughout the year was outstanding. You got an efficient game out of Austin Reeves. You had Hachimura, who was terrific, especially in the first half, and he gives you 21 points. You get the role guys to really step up, but we've talked about this team for the Lakers a lot throughout the postseason. Every other Anthony Davis, and that's exactly what you had in game number two. I mean, I can't see the Lakers going and winning in a place like Denver if they're not getting optimal AD, and they did not get optimal AD when he's going 4-15 from the field. They cannot survive that. They just can't. Not at all. I mean, you also I mean, you also look at the fact that LeBron James, one of the greatest players of all time, he is 0-20 in the fourth quarter from downtown. And you look at the end of that game, the Lakers, I mean, they had the lead in the fourth quarter, but LeBron James is settling for his jump shot. And, you know, the Lakers are not going to be able to survive that. You know, one thing the Lakers did was they put LeBron James on Jokic, which is a positive in terms of being able to slow down Jokic. However, it sapped everything from his offensive game, and it led to him settling for these jumpers. And, you know, LeBron James, as great as he is, he's now in the Westbrook category of you don't want him shooting if you're a Lakers fan. So, um, you know, they're going to have to work through that. LeBron is kind of probably going to have to ha- rely on his rogue players a little bit more, especially if he's on Jokic, or he's just going to have to find a way to not settle for his jump shot because it's just not there. Dream, it's an amazing point. I was on the Bill Simmons podcast late night last night, so I was collecting my thoughts, and it occurred to me I wanted to make that Westbrook connection because the Nuggets are, are like, please, please, LeBron, please shoot this. There's nobody within 15 feet of him on most of those threes that he's taking. But I was like, man, if I come on Bill Simmons and start throwing these kind of takes, I already went on there and said that Joel Embiid is a loser. I couldn't, I couldn't double down and call LeBron Westbrook. But I will say this. The thing that I think um, definitely had an impact in it, and it really contributes to this Denver success, that altitude, when you're coming back off of just one day rest and both AD and LeBron are playing over 40 minutes and it's the only way for them to have success, a lot of those shots were short. And the same was true for AD. AD's four for 15 to me is a function of, you know, the, the, the quick turnaround time and just how unaccustomed they are to playing at altitude, to living at altitude in a way that the advantage, all those Denver guys, they know what time it is. Jamal Murray got separation in the fourth quarter. Did they do anything different to give him that separation? Not to my eye. He created the separation because he was a little more, there's a little more spring in his step from my uh, untrained hoop side. That's the way I'll put it, JJ. Well, fellas, the up to the minute live series odds. Now Denver is a favorite at minus 450 to win the series. The Lakers are at plus 350. 
House, you know I have the Nuggets minus one and a half games. You have any interest in taking the Lakers at plus money now, plus one and a half games at 132, or is that a no for you? It's a no, and uh, I already have Laker protection out there. So that that's part of it. I bet the Lakers to win the Western Conference, you know, a few months ago. But I would I also would not play it um at, at this price. I, I just, you know, the 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 pathway, I'm knocking on wood. The pathway for the Lakers to win this series is Murray or or the Joker get hurt. And and then so you would want some kind of coverage with LA. You won't get a better price than this probably, but I don't want to root for that. So I, I'm not buying it. Yeah, this is tough for me just because I, I don't I don't believe this series is over just because we've seen how the Nuggets play on the road. And I mean, we saw the Phoenix Suns take two at home. And this is a much deeper Lakers team. Um, outside of, you know, the fact that D'Angelo Russell is this may not be a series for him. This is still a deep Los Angeles Lakers team. And I think they'll play better at home. I actually think this series, I mean, I think the Lakers are gonna win game three. Game four is the spot where I'm kind of struggling with. If I felt like the Lakers would win game four, I would be all over the series price, but I'm not sure about that. So um, I would prefer to play it game by game and, you know, see what take it from there. Well, fellas, I'm glad you mentioned that because we have game three. We're going to have an SGP up on FanDuel Sportsbook for game three. Western Conference Finals, Lakers down 0-2 against the Nuggets. House, I'm seeing that line now at five and a half. It is getting juiced up and getting juiced up in a big way because it opened up at three and a half. But man, you got to figure this has Laker dominance written all over it. Considering the theme in this postseason, we've seen it a lot. If you're ever going to get a big effort out of the Lakers here in this series, it's got to be game three at home. Like I know this is getting maybe a little too rich for my liking, but I'm laying five and a half now. I'm not wasting any time. I like the Lakers on Saturday night. Yeah, I think we're unanimous. It's probably a family play across the board here. We'll wait for Dream to get his hundreds up on Saturday morning. Of course, I'm not going to step on the Dream's hundreds. Wild success that it is. But the thing that concerns me isn't so much um, the Laker effort. I presume that will be there. It's the role players for Denver who don't show up on the road. I don't, you know, MPJ just has such a comfort level shooting those threes from all kinds of disoriented positions. He shoots off of, uh, out of, uh, you know, two foot um, position all the time. And he's very comfortable with it. He's, it's just tremendous. He makes them at home and he doesn't make them on the road. Um, you know, it's asking a lot of, of KCP. It's asking a lot of Bruce Brown. I don't know what they're going to do about Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon looks absolutely lost to me. I wouldn't be surprised if the Denver approach is to try and breathe some life into him by feeding him the ball, you know, six or eight possessions in the first quarter just to get his head in the game because he looked lost to me both those games in in Denver. But um, across the board, it's got to be L.A. from my perspective. So it looks like a family play. Of course, Raheem will have 100 for game three of the Western Conference Finals. That'll be tomorrow morning. I'm not trying to step on his toes house, but I can tell you right now, if that line continues to climb and you like the Lakers, you might want to hop on it now because they've moved it from three and a half to five and a half. I wouldn't be surprised that line got even higher by the time you're talking on Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon. So we go from the Western Conference Finals. And remember, Parlay, FanDuel Sportsbook, the boys will be in action in the lab. We'll have that up for you tomorrow morning. Now let's get to game two of the Eastern Conference Finals, Raheem, because... You have the Miami Heat, who won game one, the brilliance of Jimmy Butler. 
The Heat do it again in the third quarter. The Celtics, uh, Tatum not touching the ball in the fourth quarter. Missoula saving timeouts. The coaching mismatch in this series would scare the living daylights out of me from a Celtics perspective. However, we have ourselves an 0-1 trend with a home team. Game two, we know how that has gone this postseason. So before we dissect this game, it is 100 time, amigo. Raheem, take it away. Okay, I actually have three picks for this game. I look at this as a prime bounce-back spot for the Boston Celtics against the Heat, who lost game two against both the Milwaukee Bucks and the New York Knicks. Obviously, we know teams off a playoff loss are 41-27 and against the spread in the first half. So, I'm going to play that angle. I like the Boston Celtics first half, minus five and a half. I also like them full game. Um, And then I also like the Celtics team total over 112 and a half. So, let's go to the team total. First things first. We all know the Celtics' path to victory is simple. They make their threes, they win. When the Celtics hit 40% or better from three this season, they are 36-2. and two. When they don't, they're 29-29. and 29. And you saw in game one, they were just 10-29, 34% from behind the arc, and they had a 24% turnover rate in game one. Celtics still scored 112 points. So I expected to fly over the team total here. And you look at the Miami Heat, I think they shot above expectation. I think if the Celtics just clean up their turnovers a little bit, they're going to continue to score. And then just all the trends point in the direction of the Celtics here. Top three seeds coming off a of game one loss, 32 and 17, 65%, including 11, 11 and 0 against the spread since 2018, 2019. You know, my guy, um, Julian Ello, he pointed out a really interesting trend regarding the Celtics in the heat. Since the NBA bubble, when teams have met, these teams have met in the Eastern Conference Finals. The Celtics have six wins over the Miami Heat. Five of those wins have come by 11 or more points. With the only win coming in Game 7 last year, that was a single-digit win. That was the only single-digit win, and they were up 12 with four minutes to go. So when the Celtics tend to beat the Heat, it tends to be a blowout. So I like the, I like the Boston Celtics full game minus 9, first half minus 5.5, and, and team total over 112.5. Well, I'm right there with you, Raheem. I love Boston tonight. I think it's such a great bounce-back spot for them. And House, one fear I would have with the Celtics, I just talked about the coaching mismatch. Raheem kind of hit on it here. If these games are close, that is where the Spolstra-Missoula matchup can be highlighted that much more. It won't be highlighted if you go and get a margin victory game out of the Boston Celtics. And, you know, the difference between Game 2 of the Knicks series and Game 2 of this series, of course, is Jimmy Butler. Game 2... Jimmy Butler did not play against the Knicks. The Heat almost won that game anyway. We know Jimmy Butler is going to play, but I know the Heat, they're dogs, they're cockroaches. They, 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 they're going to give you effort in this game. I just think this is a three-point barrage type of game from the Celtics, and they need it a lot more. I think there will be a sense of desperation and I think this line tells you all you need to know. I'm on Boston tonight for sure. Yeah, I'm on Boston as well. I'm not going to have a huge position on it, though, because this this Celtics team is the ultimate plays around with their food team. And the problem in trying to measure Miami is, you know, what's margin victory? They they were down by 13 uh, in, in game one. And they're like, oh, here's our sweet spot. It's time to go roll these boys. And they went out and dropped 46 on them. 
And and the thing that that also bothers me with the Celtics is playing around with the food. These boys, Tatum and 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 and, and Jalen, they turn the effing ball over too goddamn much. Ten turnovers between them. If the Celtics get to fifteen turnovers, it brings Miami right into the mix. Now, part of the reason why I'm comfortable going ahead and laying the number, Miami shot the lights out. I mean, part of the thing that's a big challenge with them. They were one offensive team in the regular season, and they've been a radically different offensive team here in the postseason. And it's a make or miss league, and these these fellas are just making. They're just they just make now. They didn't make in the regular season, and now they make. But I agree with the overall sentiment. I agree with with Boston handling its its business tonight. I just want to give sound the notes of caution of, about the position. That's all, Dream. Yeah, I mean, that definitely makes sense. I mean, this Celtics team, they've played with their food all year long, and we all know Spo is the better coach than Missoula, so there's a mismatch there. And then, I mean, honestly, like I think Jimmy Butler is the best player in this series. I mean, when you look at Jason Tatum, he can be inconsistent at times, as great as he is. I just don't think he's made that leap to being, you know, the top five guy that we all know he has the potential of being. So um, there's definitely some caution, but I think if there's a spot to play the Celtics, it's this one. I mean, they've shown that they've responded, you know, time and time again. I mean, they were down to the Sixers and, you know, it looked like the Sixers were going to pull that series out. So I think if they just cut back on the turnovers, I think they'll be fine. So, fellas, I feel like I missed the boat. I wanted to take the heat for the series. I didn't end up doing it. You know, I played my parlay plus two and a half games. Need one more. Uh, I think I'll get it. I don't see the Celtics winning four straight games in this series unless Butler gets hurt. And even if he did get hurt, I just think Miami would probably find a way to get one anyway. Be that as it may, that's already set. Denver to win. Miami plus two and a half games. But I kind of want to get on Miami to win this series. Raheem, I know it's not a good opportunity to take the heat at plus 170 because if Boston does what we think they are going to do, I'm going to get a better number on Miami going into game three. I don't think it's going to be that much better because they're going back home. But I see Boston minus 220, Miami plus 170. Assuming we get the Celtic margin victory that the three of us think we're going to get tonight. What do you think I get heat series at? Like plus 250? Yeah, I definitely think you'll get it in that range. Um, I haven't necessarily done the math yet, but I, I think it's in that range. I mean, like, I mean, you had ESPN models saying that the the Celtics had a ninety seven percent chance of winning this series. Yeah, so. get get those models <laughs> and, and throw them in the freaking garbage, please. Insulting, insulting. And listen, I'm not trying to spit mathematics. I'm not trying to spit analytics. But you know what? How sometimes watch the damn games. Anybody who would give Boston a ninety seven percent chance to go and win this series? Clearly has not watched the postseason this year, House. You know what I mean? Like, they just haven't watched. Well, how about this? I'm going to yell at you because we all sat down together before this series got going. We looked at the prices. We said, this is ridiculous. The implied probability for the Celtics was in, you know, being priced in that 85 to 90% range. And the Heat were sitting right there, plus 400. Just get yeah, some Yeah, I heat. didn't take it. I know. I'm an just idiot. Get some, I know. Just get I'm a piece, idiot. baby. I also played I the Heat. You know, I, I got it two ways. I got that one, and then I got the Heat winning the series at four games to three just because of some of these themes that we're hitting on. J if Jimmy Butler is the best player in, in the series, and Boston certainly doesn't any do anything to inspire confidence that they protect home court, 
I just wanted a little taste of it. And it was like 10 to 1, so why not have a little dalliance in that no, I'm very a- jealous arena. for that. But look, JJ, there'll be an opportunity for you. It'll be tonight. So go jump in, and, and you'll have your, your heat protection. Because look, man, there's only uh, uh, one team that has two guys that has rings, and that is the Miami Heat and Kyle Lowry and Kevin Love. That's the team that's got the rings, not Boston. Without a no, doubt. You, you know, the frustrating f- thing for me is that I actually didn't play. I didn't play anything on the the side in game one when I knew I had my game seven trend just staying out there. Like, And then also, I didn't even play like anything, a series pick. So I, I'm kind of a little mad at myself for not taking Miami in game one. I'm mad at you too. You uh, talked yeah, me, me too. We you talked me into it. I played the number and, you and the money line. It, yeah. And JJ did too. You you talked us yeah, into it, Dream. Well, and then we had the Podfather texting saying, You gotta do it, you gotta do it. And I'm like, really? I'm so su- I'm surprised. But he had hysteria on the crowd. He, of course, we saw what Miami did in the third quarter. But fellas, tonight, I think it's a margin victory for the Boston Celtics. And one guy to watch, House, who I'm playing, I'm gonna play Celtics to win. I'm gonna take this guy to hit a couple of threes. This is going to be a big Derek White series, Ooh, I think. Interesting. You saw that in game one. He had a couple of barrage of three-point opportunities. And you want to go small against this Miami team. I feel like Boston has decided to do that. I'm going to be in on White to make two threes and the Celtics to win. I got to see what that parlay is. I, I know I'm playing it. That's though, so. interesting. We are thinking about this the exact same way. I just have a different guy. I think Brogdon is the oh, guy. Oh, is that Brogdon? Yeah. I'm Brogdon, playing okay. his points, rebounds, assists, prop. I already played him on a points prop. Plus Boston to win. That's you can play at least in 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 uh you know I I think you can play this on on FanDuel. Uh, I got around plus one thirty for Malcolm Brogdon over ten and a half points parlayed with Celtics win. All right, so I'm looking right now. If you want to go Brogdon to make two threes and the Celtics to win, you get it at minus one fifty. Uh, if you go with my guy Derek White to make two threes and the Celtics to win, plus one thirty nine. I'll so, root for it. I, hey, I I agree with the thesis. Dealer's choice. Yeah. Dealer's I, choice. <laughs> I, I will be getting involved with that. And uh, we'll have ourselves a little Friday night. All right. When we come back, we'll get you set for the Preakness. Mike Joyce is going to join us from FanDuel TV. Are we going to be looking at a horse going for the Triple Crown a couple of weeks from now at Belmont? We'll dive into that. And then before we say goodbye, we'll reevaluate things with the PGA. Go look and leaderboard after one day. That's coming up next. The NBA playoffs, you can get in on all the action from the first tip with FanDuel. Right now, all customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every weekend when you bet the NBA playoffs. That's right. Just place a three-plus leg same-game parlay or a same-game parlay plus on any NBA playoff game, and you'll get bonus bets back if you don't win. So I think a pretty safe, Moneyline parlay bet for the weekend. If you go and take the Celtics and you go and take the Lakers, neither team is losing. I mean, let's call it like it is. Lakers going down 3-0, I don't see it. Heat going up 2-0 back to Miami, I don't see it. Who screws that one up? I like that. And we'll have an SGP fired out Saturday for Lakers Nuggets. I'll get in the lab and maybe tweet that one out on John underscore Jastrzemski. And uh, we'll have some fun with that on FanDuel. There's no better place to bet all the playoff action on America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash gamblers and get a no-sweat same-game parlay every weekend of the NBA playoffs. That's FanDuel.com slash gamblers. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hope is here. Gambling helpline MA or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 in New York. 21 plus in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler. Visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. 100NextStep with text NextStep to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash Connecticut. 109 within Indiana, 1-800-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, 1-800-522-4700 Wyoming, or visit 1-800-gambler.net in West Virginia. So now it's time to get you ready for this weekend's Preakness. Michael Joyce was with us for the Kentucky Derby at Churchill Downs. Now he will set the stage for what is to come uh, this weekend. My man, welcome back to East Coast Bias. How you doing, dude? Uh, doing well. I mean, I think everyone took a bath in the Preakness. Only one of my colleagues, or in the Derby, I should say, only one of my colleagues gave out the actual Derby winner, and that was Todd Shrupp. And he had Mage as his top pick. Everybody else was going a different direction, but that horse, he, he ran his eyeballs out. It was a fantastic performance, and, and he looks like he could be something good. Well, I think people get fired up, obviously, when you have the possibility, Mike, of a potential triple crown quest, right? Like the idea if he can go and win the Preakness this weekend, it sets the stage at the Belmont, the longer track at the Belmont. You take it from there. Um, For somebody that doesn't know the specifics, let's say, what's the major difference betting the Derby where you got all these horses, you got such a variety, and then you get to the Preakness? Not as many horses going out in this race. How does that change things for you? So the Derby is the ultimate goal. Preakness Belmont aside, a triple crown is almost impossible. Everyone's trying to win the Derby, right? You can win the Derby and you're immortal. You can win the Preakness and the Belmont, but if you don't win the Derby, no one's really going to care. They're only going to remember the Derby winner. So you have every horse in the world trying to get there. And the paths are all trying to converge. And the Kentucky Derby is a race that answers a basic question because it's the first time these horses will ever go a mile and a quarter, which is the classic distance for a thoroughbred racehorse in the U.S. So there's so much pressure and so much going into it, and everyone's gaming for it. What happens is after the Derby, the Preakness is a gigantic race for one horse. It's a huge horse. For, it's a huge race for Mage. That's the horse who the Triple Crown is alive for. He's the only horse in the world can do it. So now it's a huge race for that horse. The Preakness in and of itself is a great race and people want to win that race. And don't get me wrong, the other horses in there, they're absolutely trying to win it because once you're a classic winner, you are a classic winner and your value goes up, right? And in the game, you become one of the stars, but you're not a household name like a derby winner. So it's a little bit different. The difference is they go a little bit shorter. The Preakness is a much easier race to win than the derby. There have been so many derby winners that go on to win the Preakness that don't go on to win the Belmont outside the Triple Crown winners. I mean, just in, in the last, you know, 30 years, you had Silver Charm, Real Quiet, War Emblem, California Chrome, Smarty Jones, Big Brown. All these horses go out and win the Preakness. And then when the, uh, the question's asked of them in the Belmont, it's a little bit different. It's really hard to win all three. But winning the second one, the Preakness is usually the easiest race to win. Mage, 
dominant in the Kentucky Derby. Uh, monster favorite here at the Preakness. Monster, monster, monster favorite here at the Preakness. In your opinion, is that justified? Yes, it is justified. But to give you a little different dynamic, whereas the Kentucky Derby, you have all these horses coming in off of optimal rest. They have to go through a series of races, earn points to get in. In the Preakness now, there's only one horse that ran in the Derby who's coming back in two weeks to run in the Preakness, and that's Mage. All the other horses he's facing off on, the good news for Mage, these were horses that weren't quite good enough or didn't do enough to get into the Kentucky Derby. The bad news is, these are fresh faces. None of these horses ran two weeks ago in a mile and a quarter race against 19 other rivals like he did. So they haven't gone through the war like he did. So the question is, is he going to be able to come back on, they call it short rest. 50 years ago, horses would run on two weeks rest all the time. It wasn't a big deal. But in this instance, we'll call it short rest, two weeks, face a bunch of fresh horses, horses that are more keyed up and geared for this race than he might've been because he just ran in the Derby. And can he beat them? I, I still think he can. I think he's just a better animal. And I think for me, I look back with horse racing. It's like when you're betting sports. Where was I wrong? What did I miss? You go back. I didn't cash here. I got beaten here. What did I not see? I'll tell you what I and I think most people missed about Mage. He was such a lightly raced horse that they thought his last race before the Derby was what he was. That was a good estimation of what he was. And that's not true. He got better. He got better going into the Derby. He is an improving racehorse. He's a developing racehorse. And each start, you know, he ran his first career race that he ran his Fountain of Youth and then the Florida Derby. In the Florida Derby, he was second to Forte. And he made a move in that race where he passed Forte. Then Forte picked it up again and went by him. But Forte was the best horse going into it. Unfortunate scratch Derby day. We don't need to get into that. But for Forte to have been favored and Mage, a horse who was very close to him, to have been as large of a price as he was, even after the scratch, I think that was a miss on most people handicapping that race. Mage is a very good horse, and he ran a very good Kentucky Derby. He, You go through and watch the way he ran that race. You watch the way he was coming at the end. That was a really impressive performance, and I think he's just got a load of talent. So I think all these other horses, they might be fresher, but they're going to have their hands full. I think he's that good. You bring up a very interesting point about you know the cross-sport comparison, like the idea of the market not really understanding the idea that, hey, this team is underpriced or this team is just not maybe the team that you saw earlier in the year or maybe, you know, it's competition, whatever the case may be. Do you have, uh, you're a sports fan, Mike, so I'll let, I'll let yeah. you have some fun with this. Is there a team that kind of was like under the radar that maybe the market misread and didn't really understand what they were as far as how good they were? And you have a comparison at all to Mage and maybe it's yeah. out there or no? And it's from the same neck of the woods. It's so obvious. It was that the, the Miami Heat had to play a plan game. You look at what their futures market was before the playoffs. And now 65 to odds 1, are, 100 to 1. Crazy. Yeah. So that, that was Mage, right? I mean, he wasn't in a play-in situation, but when they went into the gate in the Derby, he was giant odds. He was you know 18 to 1 or whatnot. He was 6th, 7th, 8th choice. He wasn't really on too many people's radars. And for a similar reason, with the Miami Heat, I think it's obvious they're a different ball team when they have space in between games, right? That grind of the regular season doesn't speak to their strengths as much as the playoffs does. They can retool. You give Spolster a chance to X as a nose. He's one of the best coaches in, in NBA history at this point. And you give him a chance to adjust. You give him a chance game to game. That's different. That's a 
different, it's a different, completely different way to prepare. When you have a horse like Mage and he's improving and you're giving his trainer, Gustavo Delgado, a chance to listen and respond to the horse. When you give a guy like Javier Castellano, who's a Hall of Fame rider, a chance to ride a race without a target on his back, to not have the favorite in a big race where he's all of a sudden he's a four-time Eclipse Award winning, essentially a four-time MVP jockey. And he can come in under the radar like that. That's a whole different, it's a whole different ballgame. And so, yeah, I mean, and they're both from Florida. Mage was, is a horse who's based in Florida. He prepped, he won all of his races and ran all of his races in Florida before going to the Kentucky Derby. So I, I think that's a one to one right there with the heat. That works for me. Okay. So, Major side, give me a horse that we should be looking into. If we don't want to bet the favorite here on Saturday, who, who's your next pick as far as the Preakness is concerned? So there's a horse named Red Route One. He's going to be the number five horse. He's 10 to one on the morning line. This was a horse I really liked going into a race back in March called the Rebel, which is a major stakes race. And in fact, the winner of the Rebel Stakes uh, confidence game was my pick in the Kentucky Derby and, and ran in the Derby. Um, he was a horse. He was second in that race. And he was second out. He comes from really way too far out of it. Uh, that's the big problem with him is that in the early stages of a race, he's going to be, you know, five, 10 lengths minimum behind the front runners. But his kick, the way that he can run down the stretch when he launches that move. Now he can't get stopped. So traffic is a problem for him. But in the Preakness, there's not as many horses. We're, not, we're talking a, a, a seven horse, an eight horse field, not a 19 horse field. Um, if he can get in the clear, his rider, Joel Rosario, has one of the best internal clocks of any rider in the game. And when he's riding well, there's nobody better. If he gets that big move going, um, he's going to make some noise. And I think Steve Asmussen, his trainer, one of the greatest. He's won over 10,000 races in his career. He's never won a Kentucky Derby. Uh, I know he wants this Preakness, and I know he wants it with this horse. After the Arkansas Derby, which was the race that Angel of Empire won. Now, Angel of Empire um, was the Kentucky Derby favorite, if you'll remember. Um, he was in that race. He was a little too far back. Couldn't get close. He didn't just sit on the sidelines though. He ran in a race on April 22nd, just a minor stakes race. And he won that day. Um, but knowing Steve Asmussen and the way he transforces, that was clearly a race that he says, we need this race. We need him to run this race and get race fit if we're going to win the Preakness. And so that was a telegraph sign. I need him. Joel Rosario flies into to Arkansas to ride that race. That was a prep for the Preakness. They were spotting it. The timing was April 22nd. It was a perfect four weeks. That was the race to get him fit for the Preakness. And that was the plan. Once they knew they weren't in the Derby with him, they loved that horse. They know how good he is. And his sire, Gunrunner, was a horse of the year that Steve Asmussen trained as well. There's a lot going into this horse owned by Winchell thoroughbreds, the same owner, Ron Winchell, who owned um, uh, gun runner and owns uh, Winchell donuts. If you want to get something sweet to eat. So that's where his money came from. But I, I do think 10 to one, you probably get even more than that on race day. Uh, that, that would be my horse red route one. We're going to circle that one. So I guess let's leave it here. You think at the Belmont, my neck of the woods in New York in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have a triple crown quest. You think that's a, you expect that to be the case? Yeah or nay? Yes, I do. Not only do I expect it to be the case, but the chatter in my industry, they always talk, do we need to change the triple crown? Do we need to change the triple crown? They were saying that for 38 years before American Pharaoh won it. And then American Pharaoh won it and Justify won it four years later. And I'm like, okay, we're not changing it. Like, let's leave it as it is. And then last year, Eric Reed, who wins the Kentucky Derby with Rich Strike, skips the Preakness. And everyone's like, oh, we need to change the triple crown. I'm like, you guys, we had two triple crown winners in four years. What are we doing here? And then this year, everyone's like, let's change the triple crown. I'm like, 
if Mage wins the Preakness, I'm rooting for him to win the Belmont just so they, they don't touch it. Like, let's leave it the same. It's, the, the, it's, it's great because it's hard to do. So I think Mage wins, and I think we're going to have a triple crown on the line. And I think it's going to be good for racing because I really like the story behind this horse. I think he's a talented runner. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty confident that the big problem with the Belmont is it's a mile and a half. So not every horse can get that, but I'm, I'm confident the way he runs his races, the way he finished at a mile and a quarter, uh, I think the mile and a quarter will be, or the mile and a half will be fine for him. So I'm rooting for him to win the Preakness. I'm rooting for him to win the Triple Crown. And I think it's a distinct possibility. Michael Joyce, what do you got coming up this week? Obviously Preakness week, but what can you plug for us here? All right, so we've got uh, FanDuel TV is going to be showing every race except for the ones that are on NBC. That's usually how we do it. It's kind of like TNT and ESPN when they're showing the, the NBA playoffs. Like, hey, our friends on TNT, hey, our friends on ESPN, our friends on NBC, and like half the people on NBC work with us at FanDuel TV anymore. Anyway. So any race uh, from, from Pimlico this week, we're going to have Todd, Christina, Simon, Gabby, Scott, Joaquin, Dave will be there all week long. Um Broadcast in every race. And then, of course, you can uh, watch it with the, the FanDuel TV Plus app that's on Roku, Fire TV, and Apple TV, which is the great greatest way to do it. Because like all like streaming apps, we've got all these little goodies. We've got features. They've got horse profiles. You can see all the stuff we did leading up to Derby. They've got um, all the other stuff. We've got your show on there as well. <laughs> we've got anything you could possibly need. So hit that up. And, of course, uh, if you're uh, in a state that has Sportsbook, FanDuel Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app that has horse racing available in it, and you can wager on it like that. So it's super easy. It's the same account, one wallet, fire away. And offering a money-back bet if you fire in on the Preakness. I did that for the Kentucky Derby. Did not nail a winner. Let's hopefully have some better luck here come Saturday. Mike, thanks for a few minutes. Have a terrific week. All the best. And we'll chat uh, in a couple weeks as we get ready for the Belmont. All right, baby? I love it. You get, that's my favorite show. I do a bunch of these shows for uh, for for the big races. I'm glad you guys you're my giving us the, the company line. I appreciate that, Michael. I appreciate well, I hope, that. I hope nobody else is listening. But you guys is the only show I listen to that I get to be a guest on. So. <laughs> ah, fantastic! All right, Mike. Good stuff, man. We All appreciate right. that. Later, bro. All right, good one. All right, before we say goodbye, House with Tabinus, it's eleven sixteen on Friday morning. You know my three futures: Cam Young. Even though he's having a nice day so far on Friday, not looking great. Kepka not looking great. The guy who looks the best right now is Mr. Keegan Bradley. So hopefully he has a big afternoon coming. If there's somebody we should be looking to invest in, the Friday card and beyond, maybe going into the afternoon window of golf, who do you like today? Well, I uh, said on, on the Bill Simmons podcast overnight last night, I'm live betting Rory McIlroy today. The, the, here's the reason to be cautious, though. The weather is supposed to to not be favorable for the afternoon. The wind is coming in, and the course is already kind of drying out. The the playing this golf course in the wind is no pleasure whatsoever. I really thought Rory found something. He 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 had very little control of his game. He had to miss both ways. He was missing right off the tee. He was missing left off the tee, and through the first like twelve holes or so, eleven holes. He was all over the place, and then he shot two under over the last seven holes, and I said, okay, okay, that's something I can build on. And what I especially liked out of Rory was the putting, but this is buyer beware territory. I think, you know, all your you, – for a minute there, J.J., I thought Keegan Bradley might be first-round leader. Uh, he faltered a little bit down the stretch, but that happens to all of them because 16, 17, and 18 on this golf course are absolutely impossible. I hear there's rain in the forecast for most of the day Saturday. So this thing is going to be a knockdown, drag out, full out, 
mud brawl, I think, if it, if the weather goes that way, which I'm here for. I can't wait to see it. I just want to sit down and, and watch this thing all the way through, fellas. Listen, I got nothing to do on Saturday. It's going to be a whole lot of golf, a whole lot of baseball, and a little NBA action at night. Uh, Raheem, you will have 100 coming for Game 3 of the Western Conference Finals. When can we expect that? Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely tomorrow. I mean, it's likely going to be the Lakers, but um, I'm going to do a little bit more digging because this line is actually climbing. So um, we got a 10-point line move from um, on the venue change. So I think that's pretty interesting. Wow, that is very interesting. Raheem will have you covered over the weekend. The boys will reunite. On Monday, after what will be a very eventful weekend across the board with the basketball, we'll see if we have a winner in the PGA or are we going to have Monday golf due to weather. We'll have to wait and see. For House, for Raheem, good job by the War Gone Warrior. Everybody enjoy their weekend. JJ out. East Coast Bias Boys out. Be good, everybody.